Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. The manufacturing industry has changed and it's looking for people from all sectors of society. We talk to Losing Co. in Northeast Connecticut about what they do and who they employ. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. For years, the manufacturing industry has been seen as dirty and not the type of job you want your kid to get into when they leave school. But the reality about this industry in the 21st century is very different, with high-paying jobs, clean working environments, and even back-to-school programs for personal advancement. Here in Connecticut, we have about 5,000 manufacturing companies employing around 200,000 people, and making products for the aerospace industry to food items we find on the shelves of our local supermarkets. In fact, manufacturing is the third largest industry sector in the state, yet still people don't seem to know enough about it. I visited Luz Co. recently in Pomfret Centre, in the quiet corner of the state, and sat down with Robert Davis, their Director of Corporate Marketing, as well as Jason Cumnick and Meredith Bro to find out more about the company and its culture to the three of you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having us. So thank you for inviting us up here because we're going to be talking all things manufacturing. And the reason we want to talk about manufacturing is I think so many people, unless they're involved in it, do not realize how much manufacturing happens in the state of Connecticut. So Robert, tell us a little bit about Losing Company because it is an old company but it makes incredible products which actually touch all of us on an everyday basis, but many of us would never know. So Lucent Company was founded here in Pomfret in 1958, so 63 years ago. We started by importing wire rope, and then the business grew by putting jackets on wire rope, and, and from there the owner, owners actually, Gus and Joan Luce expanded the business into what it is today. So at our factory today, we actually strand wire products, wire ropes, draw the wire products, stainless steels, high nickel alloys. Our primary markets are in aerospace, government projects, dam projects, things of that nature medical military products a lot of things which many of us wouldn't even realize because probably it's part of a larger item but you know it's that item couldn't actually do its job without the product that's that's made here at uh, losing company the other thing we should mention as well is that in 2018 this great northeastern kinetic company was acquired by central wire again robbie just tell us a little bit about them because that's a big thing yeah it was a, it was a big change after a little more than 60 years in business. We were purchased by Perth, Ontario, Canada-based uh, Central Wire Industries. They are also in the wire drawing business, and we were uh, incorporated into their larger organization, which consists of 13 locations, three companies on two continents. We're very happy to be part of that team, and what it's done here is taken our manufacturing capability and brought in the technology resources and the benefits of those locations to help us, you know, as we do develop 
manufacture, produce that wide range of products that we spoke about just a second ago. Now, Jason, you are Director of Manufacturing. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, you know, your day-to-day job, because, again, unless you are in the manufacturing realm, I think people get very narrow focus as to what they think manufacturing is about. In fact, I would go as far to say that I think probably a lot of people, even now in the 21st century, think manufacturing is all very Dickensian with very low light and long tables and lots of people banging things. We've actually faced that same perception of manufacturing, even in in hiring, right? Trying to think of the next generation of folks that are going to come into this building. A lot of times we find ourselves not only convincing the potential hire, but maybe their parents that this is a worthwhile endeavor to go into. Folks think of manufacturing and they think of the the photographs from their history textbooks about the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, it it brings back pictures of of guys wearing leather aprons with fan belts running through the factory and all these safety issues and, and the like. Modern manufacturing isn't that anymore. You know, you may go home with some dirt and grime under your nails in some of the aspects, but there's a wide variety of roles even in this building that don't necessarily touch the materials directly. And even those, you know, they're, they're safe, they're guarded. There's, uh, there's not only requirements, but a general ideal among manufacturers to make the plants cleaner, safer, and more robust in terms of the the lean manufacturing and skills that we provide to new hires to be able to run out on on the material floor. Give us an idea of what it is that the director of manufacturing does, because it's a great title, (laughs) and I'm sure there's many things that you do, you know, like all of us, you know, we have these titles, but we touch on so many different things. But, you know, you are Connecticut born and bred, you know, you've stayed in the state, which is great, you know, we don't lose that expertise. But tell us what it is that you do. Sure. So if, if I can break it down to, you know, sales's job is to make sure that we get an order into the door. We're going to make something that someone needs. You know, as we go through the, the quality aspects, it's that we are meeting our customer expectations or standards of the industry. Everything that happens in between those two marks is, is part of my day-to-day. And that is both scheduling, making sure that we have the right resources at the right time, working with our planning and scheduling department. So that's an area where we have folks that aren't touching material directly but are actually just creating the battle plan, creating the game plan for the, the teams to work on the floor so that we don't double book a resource. Then it'll go to the shop floor where we're going to pick the correct components out for there. There will be warehouse attendants, let's say, or what we call material handler that'll bring that material and the right combinations and the right quantities out to the floor to be worked on. We'll have operators that are running machines, but it's not its not what maybe a lot of folks are thinking of. It's you're going to string up a machine, you're going to set it up, you're going to get it running, you're going to monitor that machine, but you're not wailing away on something with a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I just want to say, I mean, I was taken on a tour of the facility and mm-hmm. Even though, you know, as a journalist, I've been to many places and I've seen many things, it's always fascinating, you know, for me to to step into these situations and see for myself, you know, that it breaks down all preconceived ideas of what you think it's actually going to be when you walk through the door. And, you know, it's very clean. It's very well lit. There's an incredible amount of machinery. Clearly, it's a manufacturing plant. But what I thought was fascinating when I was having the tour is that you've got some traditional older machines which Mm -hmm. are still doing incredible work sat next to ultra high (laughs) technology you know with computers and buzzing and you know just doing this incredible work and again I think this is what people don't understand is that you have that sort of dichotomy of traditional and high tech in manufacturing is that something that you know maybe when you talk to people that they don't realize that that is the situation it's always kind of a highlight of the tour when we get to bring either prospective employees or customers through where there's there's one section of floor that I know that you you must have visited where we've got some of our latest new equipment 
equipment coming in that incorporates automation and spool changers and is you know hooked up to the internet so if people in, in other countries can come in and tell us whether a drive is working correctly. Sitting next to a piece of equipment that was probably put together in the 50s and 60s and has been you know modernized in quotes each decade since. In that particular area, in the wire area, humans as a, as a species have been drawing wire since the times of the Egyptians. That technology doesn't change. It's the stuff that we do around it. And that modern equipment that we're talking about now in, in you know, post-2000 has added more uh, computerized controls, more sophistication in, in onboard measurement, and things that you know, would have been lovely to have centuries ago. We're able to leverage that new technology now to make the same product. Right, the, the same exact thing, the same process. We're still pulling wire through a die, but we're able to control it and learn from it and get more feedback from those machines than ever before. Which segues me nicely into Meredith as we talk about quality, because the quality of the product, I'm sure, has gone up tremendously or continues to advance because one of the areas I know that this organization actually makes products for is the medical industry, which that must have some very high tolerances and requirements in its own right. So, Meredith, talk us through a little bit about, you know, what is the quality manager's job? Quality manager's job is actually to implement what we call the quality management system or the QMS. The QMS is the documented procedures and work instructions and metrics and targets that we have to meet in order to satisfy our customers' requirements and to retain our certification. We're certified to three different international quality standards. So my job is to investigate customer complaints, uh, internal corrective actions, risk management, to look at our processes and try to make them better. That's my job. Why did you get into manufacturing? Because the interesting thing about this organization, as I understand it, is there is a huge amount of women on the workforce, which probably five, ten years ago, that would not have been the case. So women are getting more into the manufacturing industry. Certainly here at Luzenco, it seems a really big deal. But what got you interested in it? Because it isn't maybe traditionally something that, you know, even now women are looking at, and that's probably the wrong way for them to be looking at it. So I actually have a fairly interesting career path here with this company, and I think it's one of the best things about the manufacturing world and about this company specifically is that it is almost a meritocracy. So I actually started on second shift because the schedule worked for me and my lifestyle and my hobbies. And I was a quality technician and inspector on the floor. And I sort of worked my way up. I did a lot of testing and reporting, and I was starting to see these problems. And it's sort of just in my personality. I really like organization and efficiency. And so I started to want to help fix these problems, which led to an internal transfer into our engineering department, where I was actually planning how to make the product. And from there, I actually went into quality engineering, which is where you are designing systems to 
make the product correctly the first time using data analytics, using risk management, using manufacturing planning. And from there, I became the quality manager. And so I manage a team of inspectors and quality engineers, and I support uh, the production staff and the manufacturing staff, and I lead cross-functional teams to try to make what we do every day uh, better, faster, easier. So I am, I'm a essentially um, an improvement specialist. But again, let me get back to that point with you. What got you interested in wanting to get into manufacturing? Because like I said, there is that image issue even still. Mm -hmm. People think they know what manufacturing is and they don't. Why did you want to get into manufacturing? What was the spark for you? So for me, it was the schedule. It was the pay. It was the benefits. I was young at the time and I hadn't really landed on anything that I loved. And so when I got into manufacturing, the difference in the day-to-day actions, that just really, I just, I loved it. When I started on the floor, it was interesting and there was a lot of camaraderie with my coworkers. So the people that were here and the relationships that I developed uh, were, were positive and I just... I loved it. It was very satisfying. It was a very satisfying way to spend eight hours a day. <laughs> I think what Mary is is bringing to the fore here in this conversation is something that most people still don't think much about in manufacturing, and that is with the new global climate, with the need for our company to invest in equipment and, and bring in new resources and bring in new perspectives, is that that old model of you start on the bottom and you stay there for many, many years and then eventually you get to use a bigger hammer or a different machine has completely been thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. We are looking to bring in people that were very similar to Mary's situation. They don't know exactly what they want to do yet or people that have a knack for all things mechanical or someone who just uh, literally just wants a job and wants to learn. We provide that on-the-job training, a long, very complex process of allowing them to work in a very specific industry. But more importantly than that, times in the marketplace, you know, product requirements, production requirements change so quickly that you really can be trained on one machine, and then six months later, we get new machines, you're trained on that equipment, then you need to move into a quality role because the specifications have changed uh, or we need to add in more areas. So it is not the old-fashioned approach of we do this and you stand at this bench. It is as fluid as Mary just described it. And if you've got the drive and the talent and you know the attitude to come and learn, that's the new manufacturing. That's what I think a lot of people think of in more of a, a software space or being a programmer is that it's fa- we move just as fast here in manufacturing because we have to keep up with all the new wonderful creations they're making as machinists and in software to keep the manufacturing going. I was going to say again, you know, just going back to the tool which actually Robert you gave me, looking at some of those machines i mean they look like they would sit you know ideally on the bridge of the star trek enterprise i mean you know they are incredible pieces of machinery like with all these displays and it bamboozled me just looking at it so i mean yeah i can see where the training is needed and you know how you could actually get interested in in that sort of thing because like i said it's it's not like sitting there just hammering something out i mean it just really as i say 
is, is not that situation at all. Jason, just before I know you want to do, you just <laughs> mentioned fine. something, I just want to ask you a very quick question. Sure. You know, what do some of the employees, you know, when these new employees come in and then they start and they realise there's actually so much potential within this organisation that they probably hadn't even dreamed of, what do they say to you when that light actually finally goes on, as it were? So I'll speak to a, a couple of my other experiences, not necessarily just here. So just we didn't cover this, but I'm only here about a year and three months, right? So I haven't had many of those. I have had some, but classically, the ones that I can think of, they get an inkling of it during the the tour, that initial kind of step through and looking and going, oh, uh, you know, it's not covered in dirt. And then they start working at it for a bit. And, and you know, especially an entry level or something on operators on the floor, for that first bit, it's a job, right? That That's really what they're, they're coming in the door and, and looking for, for the most part. There are, there are clear exceptions there. But it doesn't take long before they're looking around and going, oh, wait, but I've heard the other stories of this person started on, on this shift and is now in quality. Or this person, hey, they moved over to sales or engineering or whatever. You hear it all the time where, where folks almost start to inherit an aspiration, Right to do that next thing up because they see that there is upward mobility, especially in, in these roles. The other thing is we bring on newer equipment, new products, new, new things. We're not hiring people in here for their hands. Right? They may help us by, by stringing up a machine, but we're hiring them for their, for their brains and their hearts and hopefully into what they're doing. And so it, it's quickly that, yeah, they may be operating a machine, but we're actually asking them our best source of information on how to, how to make our processes run better are the folks that work on them. So we're getting in those people involved in their first six months, if not, you know, definitely within that first year into active improvement teams. And, you know, how can we make this easier for you, better for the company? So once they start to get a taste of working in those cross-functional teams, now they're like, hey, there's more room here. And, and we've got, you know, countless stories from, from past employment, also in Connecticut uh, and in manufacturing, but definitely here where, where folks have, we'll call it risen through the ranks, that sounds like it's some kind of inspirational story that uh, you know they should have a video for, but it happens so often that you know you probably don't need to because it is. That's just a common path for a lot of folks in manufacturing. And I think to, to Jason's point here, a lot of people don't think of themselves as manufacturing employees, and that's one of the areas that we're trying to break down. I don't think people realize in their day-to-day lives how much manufactured products in Connecticut do impact them and that there is so much of what we do here in the state. So we look at some larger employers throughout the state, but they're supporting by all of us small and mid-side businesses that have been here for for 50 and 60 years creating these products, getting better at the products, improving processes, investing in equipment to bring people in here. So what we'd like people to think about, and I I think Mary could probably provide a little more background on this as well, is your you know, just because you don't fit the traditional mold, there's always a role for people to come in here. So that's why we're saying, you know, young women, young single mothers, young kids out of high school, hey, you've been in a career for 20 years and you want to give something a change, you're always welcome here. We're always looking for new ideas. And Jason's point about the not just hands, which is a traditional thought, but definitely uh, hiring for brains and for their involvement in the community is a big switch that happened here. But, uh, you know, definitely if you think of yourself as not being traditional, you're already thinking, and that's what we want you to uh, to come in here and show us how you are this new face of manufacturing and how, how uh, we can help you grow and, and vice versa. You can help us grow with your ideas. I want to pick up on that point in just a minute, but I just okay. wanted to ask Meredith another quick question. How much of a kick do you get out of the fact that you are manufacturing all of this stuff? And, and admittedly, a lot of it isn't seen because it's maybe part of something else. But you know, you must be incredibly proud of the stuff that you make. Absolutely. The products that we make go into critical markets and critical applications, knowing that 
We are manufacturing products that help save people's lives in our medical markets, in our aerospace division. It's, it's the same thing. These products have to work. They are everywhere. They are rescue hoists. They are landing gear. They are really critical things. And it makes me proud every time I see a plane that's in the sky. And it makes me proud every time I hear that, you know, someone had a life-saving heart procedure. That medical device had our, our wire in it. So that's, that really does give me um, a lot of pride. And it's something that my family takes a lot of pride in, too. You know, everyone is always asking me when we gather at holidays and things like that, how is work going? They think it's so interesting because I did kind of choose a non-traditional career path. But it's just because once I got in here and saw what it was all about, I loved it. And if I've got this right as well, are you not also pursuing some further education as well? Yes, I am. Uh, so one of the benefits of the organization is a wonderful tuition reimbursement program. I've utilized that in the past. When I started here, I actually did not have a degree. Uh, so I was pursuing further education through the, the benefits that the company offers. And now, again, I'm actually pursuing my business degree. Which is incredible. And, of course, you're not racked with debt, which, of course, is what happens with so many. And I'm not knocking higher education because there is a place for everything in this world. But, I mean, the good thing about your organization is you take people from all sorts of, of life with all sorts of, you know, educational backgrounds. And they can come straight from high school, as I understand it. But, of course, they're going to get that on-the-job training and, and hopefully not saddle themselves with thousands and thousands of dollars worth of debt. But, of course, they're not only getting life skills. They're getting incredible sort of like other skills as well. Exactly. My husband works in software engineering. And when you look at our, our two different paths, I mean, you're absolutely right. I don't have any student loan debt. It allowed me to purchase a home at a young age. It allowed me to pursue my hobbies, which are equestrian in nature and costly. Um, and and this allowed me the, the schedule and the financial means to be able to pursue the life that I want outside of here. It offers a wonderful work-life balance. I was really just going to pick up on some of the, the inspiration that you know Mary is suggesting she picks up from knowing what our products go into. That, I feel, is, is something that is not necessarily on everyone's mind when they take the job. But it quickly gets there, too, in that, that first couple months when, we, when they start learning that, okay, they're making a wire rope. But when they start learning about what it goes into and what it actually helps with... You know, that's that's the thing that they get to talk about at the Thanksgiving table with their families and, and you know, that bit of pride that goes into it. Anybody can go work at, a, at another place, right, that maybe makes, you know, and I, I don't want to knock anybody else's facility, but makes something that isn't as niche or specialized or critical. And that's something that I do feel differentiates us and is able to, to give that extra bit of pride into that day to day. And not only the, the pride factor, but, you know, just that knowledge that what they're making is important, right? And so we're going to emphasize the, the quality over the speed of the output that, yeah, of course, we're a business in, in it to, to make money and do good in, the, in our communities, but, you know, that we will make sure that it is, it is right before it is fast. And that is something that I think a lot of people can stand on and take home and, and just feel good about at the end of their day. Most people that I find that have come over to manufacturing maybe came from something that was hands-on in nature, construction work or something of the like, where you do get kind of uh, that good feeling at the end of your day because you've done a hard day's work and, and it feels good. Here, different, right? But same kind of feeling at the end of the day. 
You know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that people come from other industries. I think that one of the places that I see a lot of people coming from uh, would be the food service industry. People that are looking for uh, something that is steady wage, that has benefits. Their ability to prioritize, think on their feet, internal customer service, that really lends itself well to a manufacturing career. Mm-hmm. And also people who are coming from the healthcare industry. I'm seeing a lot of lower level healthcare employees who may have been CNAs or things like that who are coming into manufacturing and their detail orientation and again their their internal customer service it, it also really lends itself well. Absolutely. And I think one more point to make there is we're talking about two industries there in healthcare and in uh, food service where they may be non-traditional hours. As a manufacturer, we have some opportunities there to work with people who have traditionally waited tables or traditionally worked at a hospital on back shifts because we offer those back shifts. Mm -hmm. But again, it's not the traditional oh, you have to be 3 to 7.15 or this. We work with people all the time, part-time. We work with people to come in here on kind of swing shifts, off hours, whatever works mm-hmm. with them. If you've got a breakup in the day, the machines are running. The technology is there that we can, we can plan and schedule around people's real lives. You know, the thing that Mary mm-hmm. talked about, what's important to you, being able to, to uh, work on a second shift because that fits better with, your, you know, with, with the balance you need. If you're young and you have uh, concerns with child care, we work with folks that way. So yet another example of looking at the labor force, looking at what people's lives are like right now, and looking how we can be a good member of the community, provide a career, a living, a job, if that's uh, that's mm-hmm. really what you're looking for. But outside of that traditional, everyone starts at 7, everyone goes until 3.30 aspect that, that you would traditionally think of. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to the three of you. And the company, as I say, is just incredible and in just having that, that quick tour and seeing what it is that you do. And yes, manufacturing doesn't always get the, the cute that it should do but as I think we've highlighted in this interview without manufacturers none of us have anything at the end of the day because things have to be made for us to have our phones and our healthcare products and everything else so we're eternally grateful to you but to Jason Meredith and Robert from Losing Company ever so many thanks for joining us on the podcast thank you very much thank you and you can find out more about Lose & Co and career opportunities there by visiting their website at loseco that's l-o-o-s-c-o dot com Got deer problems? Let us help. With Green Valley Tree LLC's Deer Preventive Spray, guaranteed to keep deer away from your precious plants, bushes, and trees for up to six months. With cold weather on its way, deer will be looking for sources of food. Don't let your front and backyards become their pantry. Call Green Valley Tree today at 860-234-4041 or visit us at greenvalleytreeworks.com. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making the headlines in the region recently. The City of New London has launched a new microtransit system to help residents get around faster who don't have cars. Called New London Smart Ride, the service is similar to ride-sharing services like Uber, but uses small buses and is cheaper. Mike Passero is Mayor of New London and says if the six-month trial of the new service is successful, it could replace some bus routes in the city. So the person with their own automobile could run to the pharmacy and run back you know, on demand whenever it's convenient for them. 
the person that's restricted to using the fixed bus route system has to schedule that trip to the pharmacy around the bus, and then they have to wait for a return bus. This system, we believe, would be much more responsive for the individuals that the public bus is their only transportation around the city. The new service uses a phone app, which enables the user to schedule their ride to anywhere within the five-square-mile limit of the City of New London. The Chamber of Commerce of Eastern Connecticut recognised the region's social service agencies at their 12th annual social service recognition breakfast and award ceremony recently. This year's keynote speaker was Mariam Alahi, president and CEO of the Community Foundation of Eastern Connecticut. Alahi said despite everyone having worked incredibly hard over the past two years during COVID, there was still much work ahead for all of the agencies. We must continue to advocate for social justice, racial justice, and ensure that everyone has equal access to early childhood care, quality education, quality health care, safe and affordable housing. These are not privileges for the few. They're basic human rights for us all. The annual event recognises the tireless work by the region's agencies to improve the quality of life for many in their communities. Some of the award winners this year included Noank Community Support Services, Hartford Healthcare and Norwich Police Department. And in the Chronicle this week, those passing through Mansfield might just feel a little more welcome as they notice two new signs greeting them upon arrival. One of the gateway signs is located on the southern end of Mansfield Road on Route 195 near the intersection with Route 6 and the busy Eastbrook Mall. The other is off 195 at Route 32 on the Willington Town Line, which is the key route visitors take to the University of Connecticut. Art FX of Bloomfield constructed and installed the two signs. An installation was completed at the end of October. The sign on the southern end of town features the Mansfield logo and the sign on the Willington town line features blue lettering in Manfield's familiar type style flourished with the signature oak leaf. The signs sit atop stone bases that evokes the historic stone walls found throughout the town. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.